Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. And the State Department said that they have to release 15,000 emails by the deadline is a couple of days before the debate. Are you concerned about that? No. So we've already released, I don't know, 30,000 plus. So what's a few more? And then you have Hillary Clinton. Hey, 30,000 emails. What's a few more between friends? Let's ask our good friend Chris Deaton, who's been writing about this for the Weekly Standard. So, Chris, what do you think? 30,000, 50,000, 40, what difference does it make, huh? It's all just, we talk about Hillary's emails the same way we talk about the federal debt now, right? It's just an extra <laughs> trillion. Who cares, you know? It is, it is amazing that she's on national television in the middle of this scandal, and her whole attitude is completely flippant. It's like, what, why are you even talking about this? It's all so silly. It's such a joke, despite the fact that she has been repeatedly caught lying about these videos, that the uh, FBI chief said what she did was careless. And now we mm-hmm. have another tranche of about 14,900 mm-hmm. emails. That, remember, these aren't supposed to exist, remember, right. because she handed them. So the fact that they exist is a you know a, a, a mark against her mm-hmm. honesty and her all attitude is ah 30 40 That's right. whatever. That's right. It's the prevarication. You hit the nail on the head. The issue with her at this point is less the substance of what is uh, coming from these emails because we've already heard about with the 30,000 she had 110 that were marked as classified, X number that were marked as secret, various levels of sensitivity. Um, The number in these undisclosed emails is much smaller, but it's the fact that she just won't be straightforward about any of this that creates the trust issues. And it doesn't seem to me like her or her camp has ever understood that nor have the people defending her understood that. That's the criticism. She's the same Hillary she was when the scandal broke, when she had that press conference and said, wipe it, like with a cloth, my server? What? I'll be here all week. Try the veal. I mean, she's still making jokes about this. She does not take this seriously at all. Is that a mark that uh, mishandling classified information is just that not, not that big of a deal? Is it a mark of the fact that she knows the press is going to let her walk? Or is it a mark of the fact that she knows that everybody's going to, in the end, let her walk? That's a tough question. Um, the end game, I think, is probably what needs to be looked at here because from her perspective this entire time, this ultimately leads to nothing. It's political inconvenience that's the problem for her. You can tell that she is just tired of addressing this issue. Uh, And the fact that Judicial Watch, the conservative legal watchdog that has been on her case, was granted access to at least get written testimony from her, likely before the election. And another one of her aides who supposedly told a couple of subordinates, don't ever ask anything about the private server ever again, (laughs) is going to be deposed by no later than late October. It won't go away. Now, wait a minute. I thought that the way it was constructed, the uh, the State Department is going to review these emails, mm-hmm. and then the ones that pass their muster will go to a judicial watch for, we assume, public release, mm-hmm. which, of course, is another legal fight because mm-hmm. the State Department will save the worst ones and try mm-hmm. to hide them. So that's another right. fight. But right. meanwhile, Hillary Clinton has been ordered to answer these written questions. And yes. my understanding was that because of the timing, she won't have to answer until after the election. There, there were a lot of outlets that framed it that way, which the federal uh, code of civil procedure doesn't work that way. Uh, the interpretation from a lot of media outlets has been, look, the Judicial Watch group has a deadline of October the 14th to release these questions. And thereafter, Clinton has 30 days to respond. 
well, what's thereafter mean? Does it mean October 14th, the deadline, or does it mean when Judicial Watch actually issues the question? And the statutes are written as, well, when the questions are actually released. Uh, I spoke with Judicial Watch. They said there's no way we're going to wait until October the 14th. So the expectation would be that barring any snags, uh, be they procedural, if the Clinton camp somehow gets some motion filed and approved, that right. we need three extra weeks, which you know happens in law sometimes. Um, or if Judicial Watch hits a snag themselves, um, trying to put the questions together or making sure that they are complying with the parameters they have uh, to ask certain things, that these are going to be released at such a point when whether or not they're going to be damning, which they probably won't be, they're written, they will be desensitized of any damaging stuff, uh, we're still going to be able to parse these things before Election Day. And that goes back to the issue of dogging her over and over again. So right now it appears... Uh, Judicial Watch gets their questions asked somewhere in early September, which means 30 days after that is before the election. Right. Theoretically, we will hear some answer. And you're right. It'll be legal pablum, but it will right. bring this back. Yes. The the question that people ask when, they, when they're when they asking the, would you not just get over it already? There's two levels to that. One is leave the Clintons alone. We love them. We don't care what they did. You know, it's so funny that Donald Trump says he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. We know for a fact Hillary could for a fact i mean she could kill them and eat them she could reenact your favorite scene of the walking dead and there would be you know democratic hacks to take the fork and knife and wash them for her afterwards but when i hear people just get say just get over it what i hear chris is look we know that this justice department mm-hmm. is never going to prosecute hillary ever all this story is doing is reminding people of something they already know, that mm-hmm. they don't trust Hillary Clinton. Right. More than 60% of America already doesn't trust her. Her trustworthy number is in the low 30s. Mm-hmm. It's, in other words, if you drive it down to the 20s, what have you really done? People, people who are voting for Hillary will tell you, I know she's a liar. Right. I know she's a scam artist. I know that she and her husband do politics the dirty Chicago-style way. But I'm not voting for Trump, or I, I still want her position on abortion or whatever. I'm voting for her. Right. So what, is there any value in What's continuing this conversation? Yeah, what right. is the point? Right. Uh, it's. I think a lot of this is contesting things in the margins. Uh, you, you are, number one, you are right that at this point, anybody who was going to support or oppose Clinton based on the first 30,000 aren't going to be sitting there saying, <laughs> oh, well, now that there are another 14,900 <laughs> coming wait, wait, wait. out. Check 14,392 again. Yeah, I, that's, that's the right. one that pushed me over the top. That's right the there. one. That's the one. It wasn't 44,051, <laughs> but 44,052. That the really one got my goat. The one about the cheeseburger order really got me. <laughs> um, right. So that's ultimately the underlying point is that people have their minds made up, but maybe there are a few out there. This is the one thing to keep in mind is that The number of people who despise both Clinton and Trump um, in terms of their intensity of the dissatisfaction with the candidates uh, is such a large number of people that maybe there is one or two percent that you can pick off on the margins and just say, wow, okay, it's almost like the last uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. I mean, maybe actually there is something to be said for that, that the closer you get to November, uh, you know, people after Labor Day traditionally start paying more attention to these things, even in the 24 hour news cycle era. Maybe somebody sitting on their couch October 25th sees this news story one more time, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, really, I just can't take it. i got to bring myself to vote for Trump. I can't get my mind myself inside the mind of that voter, but maybe it exists. Uh, which brings to the last uh, issue. You mentioned that about, uh, you know, is it going to persuade anyone? I saw some interesting analysis that the Clinton campaign's ads that they're running against Donald Trump are essentially quoting Donald Trump as though— 
the people seeing them didn't follow the primaries at all. And mm-hmm. it turns out that based on the Clinton team's analysis, these voters are trying to reach these kind of swing in play, mm-hmm. low mo- low motivation voters really didn't pay mm-hmm. that much attention to the primary. So that lends to your mm-hmm. theory. Maybe keeping the story alive does reach new voters. Right. But there's also what the story is about. Mm-hmm. This week we found out, thanks to Judicial Watch, for example, that the uh, 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 Crown Prince of Bahrain mm-hmm. wanted a meeting with Hillary, couldn't get it. Emails were passed between the Clinton Foundation to the State Department. Hey, we the Hack Foundation, mm-hmm. needs you, the representing the people department, to do something for us. To which they said, sure, absolutely, send them on mm-hmm. over, and it all happened. What about more stories like that? Is that mm-hmm. something that uh, that we should expect to see more of, more of this overlap between the Clinton's money machine and the Clinton's job? Oh, sure, because if you believe in the old axiom of just follow the money, that's where the story is. The the, the dollar figures that we're seeing on some of this money are, are so extraordinarily high that there's only bound to be more news. And that buying access thing, the we've heard it called pay-to-play so many mm-hmm. times, um, if you listen to Donald Trump trying to drive home the point that we don't need more of these people who are trying to use their government uh, to get rich off of it, to use it to buy access, that plays right into his wheelhouse. So you would also expect his campaign to want to press those kinds of issues. So number one, the stories are definitely out there. And number two, they're the ones that mm. actually have fresh legs to them as opposed to email 44,099. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on that. And it was so bizarre to hear uh, James Carville on MSNBC this week say, no one has said anywhere that this money bought people anything but access. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. That's the problem because <laughs> the in Washington, D.C., what are you selling? Access. Right. So uh, this just it's it's a bizarre, bizarre political year. And who more bizarre to cover it That's than right. Chris Deaton? That's right. Thanks so much for joining us for the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. Also, don't miss our other podcast products at podcastone.com, including the Confab. We can hear many of your favorite Weekly Standard people. And Bill Crystal's new Crystal Clear podcast, available at podcastone and itunes.com.